I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. As we continue our chronological reading through the Gospels, today we'll be looking at passages in Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 4 and 5, and Luke chapters 8 and 9. In these passages, we'll see the following events in Jesus' ministry. He's still traveling and ministering in Galilee, and these events take place around the Sea of Galilee, and these are also taking place between the second and third Passover feast of Jesus' ministry. First of all, let's see what Jesus has to say about discipleship. Be reading from Matthew chapter 8, verses 18 to 22, and then the comparable passage from Luke, Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Matthew 8, 18. Now when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave commandment to depart unto the other side. And a certain scribe came and said unto him, Master, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And another of his disciples said unto him, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury the dead. Now chapter 9 of Luke, beginning with verse 57. And it came to pass, that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another said also, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This passage is among a few in the Gospels that have caused people to misunderstand some basic concepts. We're talking extreme discipleship here in this particular passage. I mean, I'm talking about discipleship involving physically accompanying Jesus in his earthly ministry. Let's put this passage into perspective. First of all, know this. Salvation and discipleship are not one in the same. Now, discipleship should follow salvation. But again, let me say, they are not one in the same. Second of all, to pass on the opportunity to physically follow Jesus to the death during his earthly ministry did not mean that these people declined salvation. Jesus had already chosen his disciples for his earthly ministry. Jesus, having complete foreknowledge of events that would soon take place, discouraged these latecomers from becoming his disciples at this late stage of his ministry. Now, many over the years have misunderstood this passage to mean that one cannot serve God without forsaking family. Well, that takes this passage completely out of context. That's not taught here. 
What is taught is that Jesus' time on earth was short. He had no home. Those who followed him literally accompanying him in his journeys at this point in time would be called upon to make huge personal sacrifices to follow him all the way down to his death. Here's an important concept on serving God. When God requires it, he gives you the grace to offer it. I'm reminded of an Old Testament example to reinforce this concept. In Judges chapters 6 and 7, we find the story of Gideon, raised up by God to deliver Israel from the oppression of the Midianites. When the Midianites raise their fighting force against Israel, Gideon does likewise by raising an army of 32,000 Israeli soldiers. God wants Israel to see a miracle, but I'm afraid a victory with an army of 32,000 might very well cause the Israelites to believe they did it by their own power. So, Gideon makes the first cut by simply offering an exemption to those soldiers who are afraid. 22,000 of them leave. Of the remaining 10,000 soldiers, Gideon gives them a test that pairs down the number to 300. So what about the 21,700 who were willing, but not chosen for this mission against the Midianites? Well, they weren't bad people. They didn't hate God. They didn't hate Gideon or Israel. They just weren't right for the mission. Now, understand the call to discipleship during the earthly ministry of Jesus in light of this concept. We are not told that these people who declined this opportunity for discipleship here were bad people. They simply did not have what it takes to follow Jesus all the way down to his death. The word fit in Luke 9.62 comes from the Greek adjective euthetos, meaning well-suited. Those with family obligations were not well-suited for the mission at hand. As a matter of fact, I am reminded of Mark chapter 14, verse 50, which says, And they all forsook him and fled. After the garden incident, none of Jesus' disciples stood with him. If the statement of Jesus discouraging new disciples here seems overly harsh, perhaps it is because Jesus was not looking for additional to-the-death disciples. Next, we have an event that falls in sequence with Luke's writing here in verses 19 to 21 of chapter 8. But this occasion is also found in Matthew 12, 46 through 50, and Mark 3, 31 to 35. So even though the Mark, the, rather the Luke 8 passage is the only one that's in the reading today, we'll be looking at Matthew 12 and Mark 3 just to round out the occasion. Now, this sequence of events is a little difficult to precisely place. While Luke places it in this account just prior to the storm incident, which we're going to be looking at in a few moments, it's not actually tied to that incident in time frame in as much as verse 22 begins with, Now it came to pass on a certain day. Based upon that phrase, Luke is not declaring any specific sequence here. Nevertheless, all three synoptic accounts have been placed here in this reading, on this particular day of the BibleTrack.org notes, with the sequence of events in Matthew and Mark um, also being considered. Both passages take place within the same time frame, but Matthew and Mark listed as taking place at the conclusion of a challenge by the Pharisees. Both could have taken place within the space of perhaps just a few hours. So let's read, first of all, 
Luke chapter 8, verses 19 to 21. And if you're following along with the written notes, this is in the third column, which we'll read first. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Now let's look at Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 to 50. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto them that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Now Mark chapter 3, verses 31 to 35. Then came his disciples and his mother, and standing without, sent unto him, calling him. And the multitude set about him, and they said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren without seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brethren? And he looked round about on them which sat about him, and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my brother and my sister and my mother. When Mary and Mary's other sons, the brothers of Jesus, come to where Jesus is speaking, he uses this occasion to introduce the concept of the body of Christ. We refer to the body of Christ as the church, a reference to all those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior by faith. Jesus makes the point here that his relatives, as God in the flesh, Savior of the world and Messiah, are not limited to those who are physically kin but extends to all of those who accept Jesus Christ by faith. Then we find all three gospel writers weighing in on the calming of the storm by Jesus. In Mark chapter 8, verses 23 to 27, Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, and Luke chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. First of all, Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 23. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. And the same day, when the even was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him, and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, 
Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of men is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of men is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. This incident takes place on the Sea of Galilee, that's up in northern Israel. Luke refers to it as a lake. This body of water is in the Jordan Valley, and it's about seven miles across, east to west, at its widest point. From north to south, it's about 12 miles. This is an impressive feat for a man, but for God in the flesh, how could we expect less? This is just one miracle that separates Jesus as something more than just a rabbi or even a teacher come from God. He demonstrates power over nature itself. Mark goes into greater detail on this one than either Matthew or Luke. He seems to want to impress his readers with the helplessness experienced by the disciples and their surprise that Jesus was sleeping through such a storm when they asked him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? All three accounts point out that Jesus rebuked the wind. But only Mark records Jesus' exact words when he says, Peace be still. As stated earlier, this is the Sea of Galilee in northern Israel. Since they end up in the place where the demoniac of the Gadarenes is located, we conclude that Jesus and his disciples arrive on the east side of the sea after this event. One more point should be made here. Notice Mark chapter 4, verse 40. It says, And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Now, here's the question. How does being afraid of a storm equate to have no faith? Well, let's use an Old Testament example. To maybe Genesis 22, the account of Abraham and Isaac. At this point in time in Abraham's life, God had already told him that his seed would flourish through Isaac. Therefore, when God called upon Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham's faith in God led him to follow God's instructions without fear or doubting. Why? Well, God had already promised that Isaac, who was childless at the time, would be the father of Abraham's descendants through whom the promise would be fulfilled. So Abraham just believed God that he would completely fulfill his promise. So he wasn't concerned about the details of how God was going to do that. Abraham just exercised his faith in God. Likewise, Jesus had already told his disciples in Mark chapter 4, verse 35, let us pass over unto the other side. The fact that they would make it to the other side had already been established. So why were the disciples afraid? Unlike Abraham, they lacked faith in the word of God, prompting Jesus' words in verse 40.
In the next passage of Scripture, it's one of the most intriguing passages you'll find in the Gospels. It's where 2,000 swine commit hmm, hogicide. Or would that be suicide? We'll be looking at Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. First, Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 28. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there was a good way off from them, and heard of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If thou cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. And he said unto them, Go, and when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea, and perished in the waters. And they that kept them fled, and went their ways into the city, and told everything, and what was befallen to the possessed of the devils. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Now Mark chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice, and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out, and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea, they were about two thousand, and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine, and told in the city, and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus, and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion, sitting and clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil, and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, 
Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Now the same account in Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time, and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out, and fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him, and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was there an herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. Then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and were choked. And when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled, and went and told in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus, and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now the men out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house, and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. So in these three passages, all giving the same account of the same incident, these three passages take place after they arrive on the east side of the Sea of Galilee in a Greek-dominated region around Gadara. It was there that Jesus and his disciples come upon a man who is demon-possessed. Matthew, who was probably the only one of the three writers who actually witnessed the incident firsthand, points out that there were actually two men who were demon-possessed there. Mark and Luke just report the details of what happened to one of the two men based upon the eyewitness accounts of those disciples they later interviewed. So while both men were demon-possessed, Mark and Luke only follow up on one of the two demon-possessed men. Actually, to say that this man was demon-possessed is quite an understatement. He's possessed by a legion of demons, a word indicating the presence of thousands of demons in this man. They had turned him into a wild man. Notice that these demons had no difficulty whatsoever recognizing who exactly Jesus was in verse 5-7 of Mark. Realizing that their time was short, 
these demons begin negotiations with Jesus. How about, rather than send us out with no place to live, how about let us go live in those pigs over there? you got to appreciate the humor of this story. That just goes to show you how filthy demons really are. There were about 2,000 head of swine. Jesus consents and sends them out into the swine. Too bad, though, that the demons didn't think the request through very thoroughly. The swine just can't take it. They run down into the water and commit, as I said earlier, hogicide or suicide. Well, that's killing two birds with one stone. The disposal of some unclean spirits along with some unclean animals, all in a day's work. Incidentally, that term hogicide was first coined by the late Dr. John R. Rice, founder of the Sword of the Lord. Now, I made suicide up myself. Mark and Luke, probably having heard this account from several of those that were present that day, they go into some detail regarding the aftermath of this incident. Who were these pig farmers anyway, and to whom were they selling these unclean animals? Actually, the region where this incident took place was a predominantly Gentile area known as Decapolis. These people had no problem whatsoever with the pig trade. They turned out to see the man, Jesus, who performed such a miracle. But then they asked him to leave. Why? Well, Mark and Luke report that the people were afraid. Someone there had just lost 2,000 head of swine. Miracle or not, you have to admit Jesus was bad for business there. Now notice the careful words chosen by the writers to describe the manner in which Jesus was asked to leave. In Matthew's account in verse 34 it says, They besought him that he would depart out of their coast. Mark in verse 17 says, they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And Luke in verse 37 says, The whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. Now there's no question in their minds that Jesus is bad, bad, bad for the hog business. But they treat him with the utmost of respect after learning what he'd done to 2,000 hogs just now. Incidentally, the previous possessed man, he wants to follow Jesus as a disciple as well. But Jesus sends him back home to testify of what exactly happened to him. Like I said earlier, Jesus at this point in time is not looking for more disciples to accompany him. Subsequently, Mark tells us the man began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. Decapolis, as was mentioned earlier, was a predominantly Greek area east of the Jordan River in northern Israel. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walker.